One, two, ten. You're listening to the Claim the Throne Bloodcast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2015. Who is it? You're listening to the Claim the Throne Podcast, welcoming Cabba. Hello, it's great to be here, where you learn to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2015, actually, not 14. We still haven't done the fucking um, intro, but we'll definitely do that maybe this time. Right now. Right now? Yep. You're listening to the Claim the Throne Blodgecast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2015. Awesome. It's not awesome, it's fucking cool. We also have a friend here. We do, we're going to be uh, interviewing someone today, uh, we'll tell you who that is right after this gidge plug. Claim the Throne's first show back from their North American tour and new merchandise launch with Claim the Throne, Fura, Silent Night, Septillion, Friday, March 27th, Amplifier Bar in Perth. Doors at eight, twelve dollars entry, and you will get first dibs at the very limited edition new Claim the Throne merchandise. And if you are a podcast listener, we'll tell you what we have right now. You're an exclusive club, so you will find out that we're getting basketball singlets, basketball shorts, baseball shirts, and some old school sweaters uh, and stickers and all sorts of shit. Maybe some new stubby holders. Don't tell anyone that doesn't listen to the podcast. Keep it under wraps. Tune in, and you'll hear cool shit from us. And today we're interviewing fucking. A friend of ours, his name is Josh Wosley. How are you going today, Josh? Uh, yeah, good. Thanks, guys. Um, thanks for having me. It's pretty cool to be on your little thing here. Awesome to have you here, dude. For those that don't know Josh, he is a bit of a metal lord. He uh, is an awesome bass player in a number of bands um, that we'll get him to go through in a second. Um, bit of a brutal death uh, extraordinaire, but does like all sorts of stuff. He's done a bit of touring, he knows a lot about the local scene, and um, we've got some really cool other shit to talk to him about later as well, how to get heaps of chicks, easy man to find out from. Um, so yeah, Josh, those that don't know who the fuck you are, who are you? Uh, what bands have you been in, bit of your background, and uh, what uh, what's your deal with metal? What's, what's my thing with metal? Um, yeah, cool. So um, I've uh, been banging around the metal scene for a little while now, uh, maybe like 10, 12 years. Um, played in Gallows for Grace uh, on bass guitar. Uh, and then after that, uh, Laser Brain, just a little bit of a muck around thrash band with some dudes from Gallows for Grace and joined Entrails Eradicated. And I did a bunch of shows and touring with them. And every now and then I get um, the privilege and honor of um, filling in for Lord James, Andrew David Parker for our claim the throne, which is pretty cool. Sweet, man. That's one of the things we want to talk to, to you about today, what it's like playing in claim the throne um, and also what it's like yeah, being a, in a fill-in for other bands <laughs> and um, yeah, what bands need to do if they want to fill in, that sort of yeah. thing. Um, but also one of the things you're very passionate about is... Um, certain type of show where you do need to buy tickets to be able to play the show and then try mm. and sell those tickets. But we'll yeah. get into that a bit later as well. We'll lead into that. Um, but yeah, if we can just start with you telling us what it's like to play in Claim the Throne, is it good or shit? Man, it's probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really fucking get cool. Out of here. No, it's awesome. Um, yeah. It's super fun. I get to just rock up once or twice a year and jam out with you guys and get really drunk. Yep. I don't have to go to band meetings. I don't have to record anything or write anything. It's super cool. And the music's awesome and you guys are cool dudes and some of my best buddies. And so getting to jam with you is awesome. Yeah, sick, man. Mm. Fuck, that sounds like you're just saying that, but off air you'll probably say it's hell crap. Yeah, it is shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's super cool. I love it. <clears throat> it's cool that we got to take you on tour with Fintroll. 
That was pretty awesome. Mm. Yeah, it's funny having these like interlocking memories of being in a band with various people, but you know, no bad blood ever because like transient members and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Like, um, you know, the, a good example is the Finchall thing. Like, you know, you have like jammed with Jim a bunch of times and then I find myself on stage with him playing completely different music to a completely different crowd in Sydney supporting Finchroll. You know, that, that sort of an experience is unreal. You were a funnel tech at some point as well before you became a full-time bass player filling. Yeah, yeah. So I, I sort of cut my teeth in the Claim the Throne gang with our funnel tech for a while <laughs> um, and then moved on to sausage and mustard tech. Yeah, but, right. Um, but yeah, funnel tech. What a what Funnel a, technician. Is it a hard job? It's Man, it's stressful. It's not as easy as it looks because <laughs> you've got to understand when people want to funnel. Um, just, you know, like... Ash doesn't really want many funnels nowadays and Jessie doesn't like beer. She's got to have cider. It's, yeah, it's tricky. It's not easy Yes, you have to choose the right time in the song exactly. to come out with the beer yeah. funnel. Yeah, and, you, um, don't, you don't want to be giving you a funnel when you're about to do a big, you know, whoa, whoa, scream or something, man. Yeah. You've got to you got to know your songs before you start funneling. You were sausage and mustard tech too, eh? Yeah, that happens. Yeah, that yeah, was cool. Yeah, we had a George Foreman grill on stage cooking um, hot dogs and mustard and the, <laughs> i think the mustard ended up just being the main highlight of the it was sausage pretty tech throwing that was into the crowd mustard everywhere i still have mustard stones on my guitars i think from that night actually i do on my hi-hats <laughs> very good um is it hard learning songs i guess for another band especially if you're not going to be a permanent member you're just filling in here and mm. there is it worth learning it is it hard no it, it's, it's definitely worth it and it's obviously sort of not too hard but the funny thing about it is that you know i might jam with you guys once or twice a year because I don't know when it might not be happening again. I'm not practicing. I'm not going to jams and I just kind of forget about it. And then when it pops up again, I'm like, oh shit, that's right. I better go learn those 12 songs or re relearn, I should say. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it can be tricky. It's, it's not hard. It just means you got to, you got to get yourself back into the, the learning song sort of mindset again and sit down and just go through it all. Sure. Um, is it worth doing? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, really when it comes down to the time isn't really that much. It's really only maybe <coughs> a couple hours here and there and that's it. But um, it's definitely worth it, man, because playing with you guys is a lot of fun. Is there anything we could do to make it easier for you? Like, is, is the t a tabs a winner? Stop writing new songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, like, I don't know, your tabbing skills, Cabaret, are getting better. But uh, <laughs> there's definitely some pretty dodgy tabs I've got in the past. Yeah, I think Guitar Pro is the way to go. Yeah. Some of the ones on Notepad are, are average <laughs> yeah. at best. The Notepads are fucked. They I look like you've just got swept arpeggios <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting because it's made me think that yeah all bands should be tapping their songs straight away as they're written while it's fresh in your mind and then you've just got it there to teach other people in your band but also if it does get to the point down the track when you do need a fill-in if someone's not available for a pretty important gig and you need to get someone to play uh, in their place then you've got those tabs already there you don't have to stress and try and write them out that you've just got the whole album there you can flick them over to that person make life a lot easier uh, and that's all. That's my rhyme, and that's what I said. Uh, you know, Owen. I, you know, Owen. I spoke to Owen the other day, and he <laughs> he said that that's just the way I was raised, or something like that. And asked why you say that, and I said it's probably your dad's line or something. I don't know. Where'd you get that from? I can tell you exactly where I say it from. Uh, it's from that band. Well, band quote unquote. What are they even called? I can't remember, but they're like three little Aboriginal kids from the Northern Territory. Uh, they have the song, Go to the River and yeah. Catch at the Brim. Yeah. And when the river's high, <laughs> I don't know. Again, I get home and put it in the fridge. And one, one line is, that's my rhyme. And that's what I said. My name is Keith and I don't like crime. I think that's him. <laughs> 
Keith from the band, whatever band it is. There you go. <laughs> that's where that's from. Back on topic. What I'd like to know, Josh, is that you have an illustrious career in the Perth and now the domestic um, and international music scenes. Where did you get your start? Like, what made you do bass? Did you join a band in high school or, I don't know, where'd you begin? Yeah, so I start, started out playing um, guitar when I was about 15 or so, just wanting to play Metallica and Pantera songs and whatnot. Um, and uh, strangely enough, about that time, I also discovered uh, Bob Marley and really liked the the bass lines going on and that reggae sort of stuff. So um, I traded in my guitar at Cashies for a, a shitty little Ashton $40 bass and um, switched over to bass. Not for metal, not for punk, not for rock, so that I could play some Bob Marley riffs. And then, um, and then funnily enough, like... You know, six months later, I had some friends needing a bass player for like what was basically a little Metallica cover band in like year 11 and uh, went from there and sort of took bass back into the sort of metal sort of direction. So, um, yeah, that was it. That was when I was about 16 and just sort of mucking around. Nothing nothing major with that band, just playing in, playing in our backyards and parties in year 11 and year 12 and shit like that, just playing Enter Sandman and whatnot, nothing too exciting. And then... um. I met uh, a good friend of mine, and you guys know him as well, Chris Hancock, also known as Fresh Dog Easy. Another funnel technician. Another funnel tech. Um, met him through um, Mutual Friend, and uh, we sort of started jamming with some some other guys that wanted to do something going towards metal. It wasn't quite wasn't quite sort of brutal death metal or death metal or anything like that. It was more of a, I don't know what you call the genre, but a Dillinger escape plan wannabe sort of thing. And then um, we slowly sort of, turned into a metal outfit and there we go that was like 2005 or so that's a great story josh thanks for sharing that with us thanks (laughs) (laughs) no that is a great story and yeah i guess how did you actually i mean eventually to the person you are today is a bit of a brutal death dude how did that all come about what was it that you loved so much about that let me rephrase that question to a better question when people ask you why do you like death metal if Mm. they're like old and don't understand metal what do you say why do I like it? I think I think I like it just because the the speed, ferocity, and how it is like in my mind the only thing still pushing the boundaries of music. Like it, it, I don't know, rock and roll is just it's not going to get any more rock and roll. Like death metal is getting more and more death metal. Like it's just getting to the point where it's you know it's all it's already almost inhuman. Like you know. Uh, how crazy is it going to get? That's that's what I love about death metal. It just keeps pushing those boundaries. Cool, man. Good answer. And um, yeah, I mean, watching your current band Entrails Eradicated Live is a pretty wild experience in itself, seeing all the amount of sweeping and just general heaviness going on. It's definitely is next level and definitely pushing the boundaries. So I reckon that's pretty sick too. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. How do you <laughs> hear about new bands in the BDM um, scene? Uh, I, funnily enough, like the last few years through like just a lot of, um, Facebook groups, uh, a member of a lot of like purely exclusive sort of brutal death metal Facebook communities. And every day there's 20 or 30 new bands popping up on my feed and, um, don't have time to check them all out, but normally at least once or twice a day, there's some new gem out there that's come from some obscure part of the world. Indonesia and, um, Eastern Europe is coming out with some just absolutely brutal music at the moment, um, which, you know super cool uh south america as well it's a lot coming out of there raped by pigs is a is a good one i suggest <laughs> yeah. raped by pigs it's Any really others good to throw out there i can't think off the top of my head but uh definitely, <laughs> definitely check, out. check out raped, raped by pigs <laughs> it's good yeah raped by pigs the newest be. album not be good? squealing to the new world it's awesome wow i was um, in um sorry cabba i was in 
IGA Northbridge earlier getting some aloe vera for my sunburn. Oh, brutal. And they were selling pig <laughs> trotters in packets next to all the steaks. So get a load of it. Yeah, right. It's not just an obscure <laughs> Asian butchers. You get that now. Oh, actually, conspiracy alert. IGA Northbridge is run by pigs. Asian people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's a big business there. <laughs> I wonder if raped by pigs are big in, in Asia. They're big all around the world. <laughs> they're, they're quite large. They're actually large. You did um, touch on Facebook groups there, Josh, and I do uh, know that you were a guest programmer of the, the Facebook group Headbangers once. How did that go? Is it good fun? It was it was a lot of fun. Um, it made me want to uh, somehow be some sort of a DJ because it was super <laughs> cool. I just got to post shit I liked and write little rants about why I like it and why everyone else can get fucked if they don't <laughs> like it. It was fucking cool. It was really good. Yeah, I just I just posted mostly like BDM shit that I like and a few power metal songs that I really dig, and that was about it. It was it was a fun night. Sick and um. Yeah, it's a pretty cool group. And this morning and today they've got the top 10 Blind Guardian songs going on. So you can go to the Facebook group Headbangers, put in your top 10 Blind Guardian songs and feel like a winner. Who runs that? Chris Rankin, who we've spoken about many a times on this podcast for helping us out on the American tour, finding contacts and whatnot. But he's done a pretty interesting thing in building up this um, yeah, this group or this tribe even on um, on Headbangers. He's, it's a pretty cool thing. And um, yeah, I find a lot of bands and stuff through that now. Like I'll open up Facebook and... Up pops headbangers, and last night I saw Oliver Udall, our mate, share a video of uh, a death metal version of Supercalifragilistic Expialidocious from Mary Poppins. <laughs> that was probably the highlight of my week. That's pretty good. Real good. Um, you want to see something really, really, really cool? I do. Jazz threes. Uh-huh. Why so many? Oh, because they're on eBay for like ten bucks for twenty or something. You don't use a pick to play bass, do you, Josh? No, 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 no. I did um for the first six months that I switched over to bass, but um after a while I trained myself to to be all fingers. What do you think about people that do play bass with a pick? Um, I don't want to be one of those bass players that are all like, oh, they're fucked because I think it does have a place. Like it does like that sort of attack that you get from playing with a pick suits some styles like like thrash. Thrash fucking needs that. Brad Travascus. Exactly, man. Absolutely. That guy's an absolute beast and shreds harder than most bass players in Perth. Um, perhaps only Simon Muller would be close to him. And he's all about pick. He's, he's an mm. absolute legend on the bass. Thanks for sharing that with us, Josh. Why? <laughs> um, on the local scene, I guess, um, did hear that you were also the world's first heavy metal psychic. <laughs> is that correct? <laughs> How'd you hear that, Kevin? Yeah, that is correct, man. Yeah, I was the first ever world's yeah, heavy metal psychic. That's it. How did that shit come about? How did it come about? Well, um, <laughs> you cunts asked me to be. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just tapped into the heavy metal ether. King Diamond <laughs> whispered some shit into my ears and I, and I told cunts their future. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yep. That was at our heavy metal quiz night that we had last year. Josh was uh, on stage being the psychic. He had some tarot cards with pictures of Perth metal celebrities. <laughs> and if you drew certain cards, you would uh, get your future told and it would be, it would match the, uh, the celebrity that you pulled from the tarot deck. And um, yeah, Josh is full of ideas. So from that heavy metal quiz night, I think we've been talking about some other things that could happen as well. Yeah. Yeah. Any Can, that stand out? Should we talk about them? Especially for the podcast listeners. Yeah. yeah. Just don't tell anyone that doesn't listen to the podcast. Right. Okay. Yeah. Everyone else can get fucked. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah. Heavy metal formal. 
Like, um, so get all you get all you dumb metalheads in a suit and, and a nice dress if you're if you're a girl, and um, come and close dance while we play fucking Man of War at you or something. The best thing is the ticket buying scenario. Yeah, the ticket buying scenario. They're only sold in in twos. Oh. So if you want to be a loser on your own, you got to buy two tickets mm-hmm. and then stand around like that a is yeah, actually. Sick. Fucking interesting. <laughs> Selling tickets in twos. <laughs> that is marketing, my friends. Yeah, that's it clever, is. isn't it? It's actually interesting. I um, follow this marketer called Seth Godin, and he's got a new book out, um, but he's not releasing it through bookstores or distributors or anything. He's just selling it on his own website. But um, if you buy a book, he'll throw in a second one for free so that you have to give it to somebody so that someone else will hear about this book. And he becomes a topic of conversation because you say, have you read this book? Here, take this, read it. I recommend it. Or you can pay for three and get five. Pretty spun out. Yeah. I think bands could be doing that shit. Uh, I've listened to some podcasts and the question, what book have you given the most as a gift in your whole life? Who gives the same book? As a gift to <laughs> more than one person <laughs> and like multiple books. You must really love the book. I gave Cabba the uh, complete guide to uh, finishing <laughs> Chip's Challenge and also to eight of my other friends. Yep. Also, Josh Wosley uh, came in a Bible once. And yeah, moving on. Yep. <laughs> very good. Do you still buy, like, I mean, you're a big music lover and listen to lots of crazy bands. Do you still buy CDs at all or are you over that shit? Man, I yeah, I haven't bought a CD in a really long time. I think the last time I bought a CD, <coughs> excuse me, was um Las Vegas Death, Death Fest 2013. Um, and then before that, I can't even think what it would have been. It has mm-hmm. been a long, long time. Bit of a downloader, I guess, the digital yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm a total downloader. Um, I'll I'll buy merch by the bucket load and go to every show, but I'll put my hand up and admit that that I do download torrents. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. And I guess, yeah, the argument is like that's the idea. If you find the band's music for free and you hell dig it, if you mm. the band has got a quality product, then you're going to go and support them any other way that you can. So go to their show or buy their merch. Pretty interesting. CDs I buy. I fucking hate CDs, man. I hate having them around the house. There's so many everywhere. I'm so sick of them. Oof, I don't know the last JB Hi-Fi I walked into mm. without looking for like a television cable or something obscure like that. I'll quite happily buy like a, a local band's uh, album release or EP release or if a band is coming through and the album takes my fancy, I'll grab it then. But like you say, Elijah, you're like rocking up to a JB Hi-Fi purely to buy CDs. It's been years and years since that's happened. Man, and I used to do it all the time, like yeah. Static X's Shadow Zone, yep. for instance. <laughs> yep, totally. Man, Paul like, self-titled. Totally, man. Before the internet, and I live like down, down Mandraway, I'd get like three buses to get into the city to go to Dada's and spend like my $20 fucking pocket money to buy like the latest Marilyn Manson yeah. album. And even then I had to like con some guy who was over 18 to buy it because you couldn't buy it if you were <laughs> under 18. Like I used to be mad keen about that shit. Yeah, on the note of um, bands making or not making money as well one topic that i know our mate here josh is quite passionate about um is there is a, a festival type setup thing in australia um there's one going around at the moment so it seemed like timely to talk about it where they uh, offer a deal um where you it, any band can play you can be the shittest old band that's just started but if you can't get a gig maybe you can hit up uh, these companies that that do these type of shows in your local city um, and all you need to do is register with them and then buy 12 tickets off them at $30 per ticket and then if you can sell those 12 tickets you can play the gig if you can't then they'll refund your money and, and you don't get a slot 
you get into the gig and then you are then you can then buy another 30 tickets for $300 and if you sell all those tickets then you'll make a bit of money and if you don't you won't make a bit of money is that about right Josh can you tell us about this because I know I've, I've heard about it from you yeah the business model seems to have changed like every year in the last like three or four years but um yeah it's a crock of shit basically when you when you say like it's something I personally you know take offense to I think sort of anyone involved in live music would it's just that um i've had a couple of friends over the last few years that have been struggling bands and they've, they've got their band together and they've managed to sort of get a demo and five or six songs and they get to that next step that we've all been through is like how the fuck do we get a gig and you know they've tried sort of sending their demo to just venues thinking that's how it works and they don't understand what promoters do and then they get an email from someone like one of these fucking bottom feeding cunts that wants to rip off dudes and um and they think that that's a good deal and they think that's how it's done that you have to front up between three to six hundred dollars um to try to play a show and to play a show that is a huge lineup of just bands that sort of genres that have no business to being together like solo acoustic acts next to like new metal fucking cover bands and whatnot so the idea is they're paying for the promotion because yeah. they're supposed to get a few big headliners and yeah. there'll be a lot of people there and you get to network quote yeah, unquote, with the other bands is that what that's how they for? sort of sell it is it's, it's a sort of a networking slash exposure thing which again to a naive band sounds great and if they just have to put a couple of hundred dollars each in to sort of make that happen then that sounds like a good deal but um it's not it's far from a good deal because <coughs> it's really just Tickets being sold to any band's friends and family just because they're desperate to offload those tickets. So the crowd isn't there for music. The crowd is there to see the the you know the Suns band, not not your band that's about to be up next. So you might be playing in a venue that's got three or four hundred people there, but only twenty give a shit, and they got guilted into going there because you're trying to make your money back. Interesting, eh? And I've got um yeah one one angle here from a company called Scorcher Fest that you may have heard of if you're in Perth. I think they do them all around Australia as well. Uh, they say they help bands to help themselves, providing a framework for performers to play in a live music festival. A great opportunity for bands to network with other bands, expand markets, and widen audiences. Music fans of any ages can access heaps of local and touring talent with something for everyone. Absolute crock of um, shit. Mm. Hold on a minute. Mm. You said the first 10 or 12 tickets at $30 each ticket yep. or $30 for 12. No, no, no. Yeah. Each. Each, yeah. And the band pays that. What? And then they... What fest is that? That is... I believe that's Scorcher Fest. Scorcher Fest. more Uber Fest. Uber Fest. I don't know what else is going oh, around at the moment. Oh. There's a few. Okay, because... Back in my days in Motrief, <laughs> <laughs> we had... Do you guys remember that... Uh, I won't mention him by name, but Stevie D? Does sound familiar. I'm not sure. He Not he ran sure. Slam, which was supporting oh, local Australian oh, yes, music. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, he put on some show, and oh, I wish I could remember the actual deal it was, but it either was they gave us, us an amount of tickets, right? Or maybe we forfeited our show payment or something mm. of $100 to get the tickets. Right. Yeah. And then they're like, you can sell the tickets for this much. And then we ended up like, oh, you know, they're worth 10 bucks a pop, but we'll give them away to people as free promo or you know we had some stupid angle but i mean we're talking about maybe 100 bucks when i was 18 years old mm. but man like a a buy-in of 300 bucks for like that many bands like 20 bands yeah that's, that's and it's like to play at a venue that i think is a capacity of like four or five hundred people 
So all these bands are selling all these tickets. I don't know if there's a cap on how many tickets they're selling, but there's not going to be the, you know that many people there worthy of spending hundreds of dollars to get your band to play. Um, very interesting, though. I don't know. We, we've had this scenario where we've um, touched on it in previous episodes of the Claim the Throne blogcast at claimthethrone.net, which um, has been supporting international touring bands. You get offered the support, and then the, the company do try to get you to sell tickets for them but I think they just think the local bands can sell a bit more than they might be able to otherwise. So you still get your, your standard show payment and then you you don't have to buy the tickets up front. They just send you the tickets and if you can sell them, then you can you just pay them a certain amount per ticket. You keep the rest. If you can't sell them, no biggie. They still get you to play. So, I mean, you're not getting ripped off for anything in that scenario. It does sound whack and we've made some serious coin off it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. Uh, I mean, no, we haven't. But... uh. Yeah, interesting. It's like a different scenario for sure. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it is nuts. Like, and like I said, it's just um, I, I just saw a friend's band like do it twice um because they were sort of so desperate for gigs, um when really you know all you need to do to get gigs is um rock up to shows and talk to people. But um yeah, you don't you don't be having to outlay that much money um, to play to to nobody or people that don't give a shit. Like pay to play happens. Pay to play happens all around the world with the buy-ons for tours in Japan and Europe and North America. That's that's standard. But these guys um, seem to target naive and green bands that are just coming up, and they don't realise that it's not the way it's done. So if there are those young bands out there listening, what do you suggest if they can't get a gig and they really mm. want to get on the live scene? Yeah, how do you start out? Man, I think yeah, we've all been there, and that's the sort of most frustrating part because you, you've got this music happening. It's like, all right, how the fuck do we get it out there? And um, I, I've always found, <coughs> well, I found originally that you just go to gigs of the genre that you were playing. So you're playing metal, so you go to metal shows and just hang out and talk to people, and then. You just might happen to have a beer with a promoter one night at the bar and then he might give you his email address and say that a band for his show next week dropped out. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's just making friends and networking and hanging out and not being a shit cunt, really. Just <laughs> just just try to be a try to be a good cunt and just, just hang out and the gigs will happen. Also the internet is pretty amazing these days. If 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 you're serious about making an impact on the live scene, you'd probably want to be have some sort of recording first. If you do, if you don't, not the end of the world, but if you've got some demos that sound okay, um, you know, post them on Facebook, find these metal groups, find other bands that are big in the scene, find the local promoters, send them emails, um, send them, you know, post them links. Just don't be a punisher, but, you know, um, just be a, a normal cool dude. See people at shows so you know them and then you can you know, email them as well. Say, hey, look, we're starting out. Can you help us out? Um, perhaps an opening show somewhere. You don't need to pay us or... You know, we're not, not too fussed about too much. We just want to get in a, a step in the scene. Uh, I know it's easier said than done sometimes, but, um, you know, it definitely works like that these days, I think. Um, and it's especially the metal scene, I know that promoters are always willing to help out young new bands, especially if they've got, you know, promising things about them or if they're just good people. There's you know definitely people out there that are willing to help you out. So you don't feel like you have no other option than to spend $300 on buying tickets and then trying to sell them. Who the fuck wants to go to a goddamn Scorcher Fest except your best mates or your parents or something like? Yep, that's it. No one gives a shit. Like anyone who goes to local no. gigs doesn't really go to those things at all. And you can see that on the on the posters. There's no one on any of those bills that that know anything about you know the local live music scene. Like they're all green bands, you can tell. When you go to the gigs... And I've been to a few. They are full of mums and dads and uncles and workmates like that have been guilted into it. You can tell. It's it's pretty sad. It's pretty shitty. I mean, my first gig in Perth at the Swan Basement. Fuck, we <laughs> just 
invited all our friends down if your friends want to support you they'll come down anyway and like you say josh it's gonna be 20 people so you may as well just get the same 20 people to pay a hell of a Mm. lot less Mm -hmm. and go to some intimate venue where you have your first gig and there'll just be one other band on there that hey they got a gig as well so maybe they know other people like Yeah. yeah exactly and you've got you've got to be prepared to have your first like 10 gigs suck and to be to only one or two people or your closest friends or your disinterested girlfriend or whatever it might be <laughs> you got to be you got to be sort of willing for that to happen because that's just how it is but um yeah you're right ash you're far better off just getting a few of your close mates down there that have just paid a normal entrance sort of fee to go to a, a gig at like the railway hotel rather than trying to get straight to the rosemount and having you know having had to sell your soul to get there you fucking assholes, I want a beer so bad. <laughs> Can I run and get one? Is that bad? I was a beer ninja. I just did that, so you go. Me and Josh will talk All right, about other so stuff. All right, so I'll ask a question and you answer it and I won't listen to the answer. No worries, you have to listen back to it. I will because I'll edit this fucker. One thing I do want to know, what things have you learnt from being in a band? And I'm going to listen to your answer when I edit, so I'm going to fuck <laughs> off and get a beer. All right, man, cool. Um... Wow, okay. Uh, so, so I guess like what's the differences of yeah. bands that you've seen if they have different ethic or different ways of learning yeah, songs or writing? Definitely. Yeah, the difference between um, my first legit band, Gallows to Grace, and my now current somewhat legit band, somewhat lazy band, Entrails Eradicated, is, um, is, is really different. Um, there were members in the first one that were, um, I don't know, I don't know how to sort of, word it um just a bit tricky to deal with at times um sort of felt like in that band everyone was sort of walking on eggshells because someone could say the wrong thing and someone could freak out about it and then the whole writing process recording process would just go to shit for another six months over some silly little thing and then then you get to Entrise Eradicated where like we're all just best buddies not to say we weren't best buddies in Gallows of Grace because we were but um the Entrise Eradicated dynamic is just um very chilled out, relaxed. Uh, the writing is very different in that one person does it, <laughs> well, for the most part anyway. Um, yeah, com- dynamics completely different, even though Linton and I were in both bands. Uh, very, very different setup. And I much prefer the entrails setup. There was times when Gallows was good, like the, it had a very organic sort of um, way about it where we'll just write a song in the jam room and that's super cool and I miss doing that. But um, it, it came with a lot of heartache at the same time. So uh, the Entrails Eradicated side of things, at the moment I'm enjoying uh, much more. Would you say that's the way that Entrails was put together? I mean, it was always going to be a brutal death metal band and everyone knew that that's what they had in front of them when they joined the band, whereas maybe Gallows, everyone was a bit younger yeah. and everyone maybe liked different sort yeah, of music and totally. everyone wanted it to was, do their own yeah, thing. Yeah, Gallows was weird, man, how it came about. Like it was it was like five dudes all wanting to play very different types of music. It was really only <coughs> myself, <coughs> excuse me, myself and Chris the drummer who sort of had the same sort of idea on the direction for the band um, and then it didn't even end up going in exactly that direction anyway. Um Whereas Entrails, it sort of like came together and I wasn't a founding member, but it came together by like four dudes knowing exactly what they were doing. They'd played a thousand gigs together and in other bands and stuff over the last 10 years. They knew a lot about the local metal scene and international metal scene. They'd all recorded before and written albums before. So when that band came together, it was um, focused like a laser beam. It was you know, off the bat. It was ready to go. 
it's been a bit slack over the last year or two. But um, yeah, it's 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 uh, our focus is um very defined, very clear. I would say that's a very big lesson um, to learn as you go on in your music career and definitely something that young bands often don't do is they'll might just, you know, quickly get the first members that they can find and they all have different ideas of what they want to do and then they try and come together and it's just a real confused and awkward sort of situation and some people will be wanting to write really heavy things and some people will be wanting to mellow out and some people might want breakdowns and wear backwards caps, I don't know. Um, but you do hear, yeah, see a lot of bands out there like that and then they break up eventually and then they start new bands and they're all amazing. But, yeah, I mean, you got to start somewhere. It's just how it is, and that's cool. Cabba, yeah. sorry to um, fuck with your history here, but you were the king of Claim the Throne initially. Obviously, you and Ollie started the band and the concept and everything, but, like, you're a head writer. Now our lineup has all different musical tastes pulling strings in different directions and stuff. I've got a weird knack of making shit happen. Like, people will have wild ideas, and then I actually do them. Um, like Heavy Metal Quiz Night and Heavy Metal Psychics, I guess. Before Claim the Throne, I was in the Kombucha Mushroom People, as everyone on Earth would obviously know, <laughs> so they were a hit band. But um, that was something similar, and you know, we came together in high school, so to speak, and uh, yeah, we, I mean, we just wanted to play metal, but everyone sort of liked their different things, and some people were doing it for fun, and some people wanted to take it seriously, and it was just everyone wanting to play different style of stuff, and it was just a, a mishmash of things. But it's, I mean, it's always good experience and um you know you learn lessons and good practice playing with other people and jamming constantly and, and playing live and to get your foot in the door um but then that just slowly faded away as it was never really going to go anywhere and then with claim the throne yeah it was myself and ollie initially um with this idea we were both really into folk metal at the time and it was only really just starting to take off a bit in europe back then um and it, it wasn't even a thing in Australia yet, so that's why it seemed like a, a good direction to take. Um, and we just started sort of jamming randomly. And, yeah, I guess I was mostly writing the tunes then, and we found Brenton, uh, the drummer at the time as well, and we just started jamming out and having heaps of fun and went from there. And before you knew it, we had a few songs and um, just seemed like the right thing to keep moving forward with it, and it is what it is today, I guess. Is that even what you asked? Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like um, the band has kind of found its feet you're the sort of the main writer or the guy who compiles everyone else's ideas. You're getting pulled in more directions than ever before with Jim wanting slam and <laughs> brutal brutal death metal yeah. and like super fast black metal. You know, Jesse's into Tori Amos and Dicey's <laughs> into Crepta Children. I mean, I'm into Everclear and Red Hot Chili Peppers and you, Cat Stevens, you name it. Um, but I think with Jim, he, he was a pretty much original member just after Brenton and he was on the original um, Only the Brave Return first album lineup and has been ever since and is an invaluable part of the Claim the Throne battleground. And But yeah, I mean, he knows it's it's folk metal and that's obviously not his thing and that's why he's gone off and, and done Entrails Eradicated with our mate Josh here and done a great job at it. Um, so I'd like to think that that's his release of of sweeps and technicality in that uh but at the same time he's also he knows the folk metal scene and he knows um you know what bands really stick around and, and pull it off um, you look at your winter suns or your Kalmars and that sort of thing and he sees probably potential and claim the throne to be able to do something like that and with you know being heavy and being technical but still sticking to their roots to a degree um i guess and i mean obviously all of us would like different stuff but we know what direction the band is trying to take. I think we all agree on, on, on the direction we're going. The other thing is, is that you've been 
and I hope you didn't touch on this while I was getting beers, but international touring with entrails plus national touring with gallows and claim the throne. What are the differences there and what things did you learn? That's three different bands, man. It's pretty um, unusual for a Perth band to do. Yeah, man. Um, Like three like really different experiences. Uh, gallows for grace was, um, you know, we were all sort of super young and kind of new to the whole, the whole live music thing in general. Like, um, we, we went east within six months of being a band. Um, back in the MySpace days, it sort of seemed like heaps of people were like, yeah, you know, come and play over here. So we just went and did it, not knowing how you do a tour. We, like, you know, renting cars, not vans, and, like, sleeping in, like, you know, ritzy hotels instead of hostels just because we thought that's what bands do. Um, and, uh, you know, doing it um, with entrails, like, a bunch of years in between is... um. Yeah, a lot different. Just um, I've learnt a lot, um, know sort of how to go about it and much more mature even though we sort of do ridiculous things and have a lot of fun. Um, you know, we don't snap at each other for stupid things like Gallows of Grace did just because we were a bunch of dumb kids. Um, and then, of course, that's the touring with Claim the Throne that I've done, which is awesome because, uh, again, I just get to sort of rock up and have fun <laughs> and then at the end of the day go home <laughs> and you guys have to pick up the pieces and sort it out. <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really cool, man. And the differences are huge. Uh, yeah, Gallows, Gallows touring was fun, but um, I wouldn't like to sort of relive a lot of those experiences just because it was just hectic and mind-fucking and just yeah, a drama a lot of the time it seemed. But um, Entrails, particularly in America, that was, uh, that was something else. You know, getting to see uh, the Midwest, Southwest and West of the US with four of my best buddies was, was fucking awesome. That was really cool. I saw a video of you guys letting the piss out in the Denny's car park <laughs> from the RV. Yeah, yeah. That, that was funny. That was like five days of built up piss in the RV on a super hot day in Sacramento. And um, yeah, we, we didn't have time to find anywhere legit to dump our piss. Um, I think <laughs> I think 50 gallons of piss. or I, I can't remember how many gallons it was, but it was a lot. And uh, yeah, I've never smelled anything like that in my life. It was fucking horrible. <laughs> it was absolutely fucked. And uh, Linton had to do it. Linton did it every time. He had to do the pipe and he got piss on his hands every time. So that was, that was good fun. Delicious. Fuck, ours was frozen, hey? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, we let ours out in snow, but it, ours was only for, what, six, seven days or something, mm, whereas mm -hmm. yours was probably like a few weeks worth. Yeah, well, we, we were on the road for three weeks um, and we were doing it every four or five days. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, and, you know, driving through the desert, the, the piss gets pretty rancid oh. by the time you empty it. <laughs> And it's just, it's just the sort of piece that is just like Dr. Pepper and Budweiser. Oh. Like it just, it was fucked. It was gross. It was I think good. ours must have frozen a few times before we emptied it. Frozen, <laughs> defrosted, froze, defrosted, and then let it out into the snow. Um, yeah. How that tour was obviously pretty kick-ass, was it, Josh? Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. It was my first now. time to the States. Yeah, it was about two years ago now. Um, coming up on two years. It's my first time there, so um, it was all really new to me. Um, but just sort of going to shows and having people you know, be interested in music. As mm -hmm. you guys would know, that's that's one of the coolest things. When you go somewhere you've never been and it's a person you've never spoken to before wants to talk to you about one of your songs, that's mm. that's a pretty cool thing. Um, For sure. And we were in, you know, going somewhere like Boise, Idaho, like a, a farming sort of city, and there's a guy there like wanted to talk to me about a bass riff in an old song, <laughs> an old album that isn't even entry. I was like, I want to talk about Gallows stuff. Really? who are you and how do you know who I am? Well, yeah. it's, it's, that's just the internet and that's how cool that, that shit is. The Remember we were saying Ash about uh, Ollie who used to play guitar for us and he would uh, email his, his 
quote unquote idols uh, <laughs> about and ask him just crazy questions. <laughs> like he emailed the, uh, I think it was the bass player from Moon Sorry and asked him if they write their songs at sunset. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic old you. So you always get people out there like that who are yeah. seriously pondering yeah, stuff like are. that, you they, know? Yeah, man. And that's cool. awesome, man. That's it's one of the cool. things about metal I find is people are seriously interested in yeah. the whole culture of it and just totally. the amazing creativity that yeah. you don't get in other genres. It's, Absolutely. It's like wild. metal isn't a passing thing for most people. Mm. It's it's like it's legit and you sort of stick with it for life. Mm. Very fucking interesting. Fucking does Oli listen to this? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Ollie, if you're listening, we need an interview with you very yeah, soon. Yeah, we've been trying Direct from ages. Slovakia. We should do that, actually. I'll hit him up. <laughs> yeah, I emailed um, Michelangelo Badio and asked if I could have the original tracks to Machine Gun Eddie to remix for him. No <laughs> way. Yeah, from Nitro. No response. And recently I emailed Forefather um, saying, can yeah. you usually have programmed drums on your album? Uh, I can play drums and have access to a good studio. Can I can I track drums on your new album? <laughs> they never no got back response. to you? No. I'm surprised because the album is nearly done now, I think, from what I've gathered from their Facebook updates and whatnot. It's Stress probably ready heads. to come out this year. <laughs> well, it's only two dudes, eh? Probably one. I don't even know. Yeah. But I would like yeah, to hear so. Ash's real drums on a forefather record far out. Russell's Me proud. too. <laughs> mm. I only had a couple more points I wanted to touch on with Josh before we go. Uh, Josh, you're a big fan of Warhammer. Can you explain to me <laughs> what the fuck is Warhammer? Because I just see you painting these little objects around the place. Yeah, I don't know what the yeah. hell's going on, but I think oh, I want to. I want to be in it. All right. Well, yeah, Cabba, I can't wait to fucking get you into Warhammer because that's going to change everything. All right. But um, <laughs> all right, what is it? Fuck, man. We need several podcasts to uh, get right. into. Anyway, it's a war. It's a tabletop war game where you have like little armies that. You can paint and build and have them however you want. Um, and you basically roll dice to decide who wins. So that's <laughs> that's an incredibly simplified version of it. But it's a little real-time sort of strategy game um, done by dice and luck and odds and, and whatnot. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, your guy might have a gun that's got a, a score of five, but it needs six to get through the armor, but your armor save is seven. And you've got to be rolling dice to sort of... Right sort those numbers out and if you win then your bullet goes through and then you kill the cunt so you can have just one game with someone it's not yeah. like an ongoing no well, you can thing. well yeah you don't you're not like handcuffed to the table you you have yeah you one game um you can have campaigns where it goes on for ages but uh well, you could get a small little army of like 500 points and it could take like an hour to play and then you're right. done cool and what's the interest like or the obsession i guess or whatever it is with painting your own pieces like do you rock up at communal areas with your own painted pieces and blow cunts minds yeah well like yeah there's a little community man like um you go to any games workshop like i was in the i was in the joondalup one two days ago and um i i hadn't been to that one yet i normally go to the one in the city and those guys are freaks but like they're my type of freaks man just hanging out there talking about orcs and tau and dark elder and fucking elves and shit you know that's that's cool and everyone's rocking up with their little miniatures and they're comparing painting techniques and yep. yeah i dig it well metals and metal and nerds normally go hand in hand yeah they so. were they were all metalheads man they were all metalheads did you know that dave from motif was i'm not sure if you listen to this but hello dave if you do he used to paint warcraft and he was so good at it, well, so good at it, but that they wanted to give him some sort of, um, you know, I guess apprenticeship or something yep. like that at a games workshop mm -hmm. in the city. And he made a decision between music 
and Warhammer. Because <laughs> if, if he wanted to do Warhammer. <laughs> what a legend, man. He made the right choice. <laughs> Is That's Warhammer unreal. based on anything to lay it? Like, do the pieces have names and who, mm-hmm. who comes up with all that stuff? Is it just yeah. a, a, a Well, that's my dream Warhammer job, thing? right, is coming up with the names for shit in Warhammer. Where Someone's got that at, job. Like, and that, is there no Warhammer metal bands that sing um, about Warhammer? Uh, Bolt Thrower, um, Internal Suffering. Internal Suffering is all Warhammer, man. Um, heaps of bands are Warhammer references. Um, Gallows for Grace was everything, everything, everything we did was Warhammer related. Um, <laughs> Isn't Balakor, don't they have Warhammer lyrics? I think Bellacore is um, maybe from Lord of the Rings, an elvish thing. I don't know. Bellacore. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of um, Tolkien-inspired metal bands singing mm. about fucking Lord of the Rings and shit, and there's the Vikings and... Yeah, all of that. ...and whatnot, but yeah, Warhammer, I don't know. Yeah, well, the only two that come to mind straight away, Internal Suffering and Bolt Thrower, they're mm. big time. Can I interject? Sorry. Please. Um, Please. The band's... Balakor, the band's name originates from the character Balakor, the Dark Master, in the Warhammer fantasy wow. game setting. So if oh. you're out there and you need a new name for a metal band, look it's, into Warhammer. There's oh man, there's so many cool names. We could there's probably get so our many. next album title yeah, from Warhammer. Yeah, you almost certainly could. There's no yeah, doubt about let's it. Let's look into that. No doubt you could do that. Fuck yeah. Sick. Oh, Josh, maybe you can help us with our new concept. All right. Do you like orbs? Orbs? <laughs> yeah, like floating <laughs> orbs Spheres. of water. I, I do, actually. I really do like orbs. Could you imagine them in some sort of desolate environment? <laughs> yeah, I giving could. giving life to dying strangers. Yes, yep, I could imagine. Okay, that. we'll have a meeting about it. All right, <laughs> let's talk. We'll continue this um nerd chat a bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, on to not being a nerd. The only last thing I wanted to talk to Josh about is um if he has any tips on conquering Tinder. Because <laughs> he seems like a bit of a, a Tinder lord, picks up chicks all the time, does well, is a stallion. So, but but um, what's the go with Tinder and how are you yeah. so good at it? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if I'm that good at Tinder, but you just swipe right to everything. Yeah. Um, and you fuck everyone. So, okay. Uh, the no standards, no standards, man. That standards, was a tip from Dicey one time. You said if you have standards, get, get rid of them. Yeah. Standards do not get you laid. I'll I'll share some stuff that my dad told me when I was sixteen. Yeah. And that's always go fat early. So like you right. just get to a, a venue or a bar or a pub and you just fuck the easiest girl, which tends to be the fattest girl, as quickly as you can, so you can be back at the pub an hour later drinking with your buddies and wow. your dick's empty. You get, get it over to go. And done with. Yeah, get it over and done with. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. But bang them. So you don't go home with someone. You bang them and then go back. Yeah. F- yeah. You fuck them in the car park and then yeah. you're back in the pub. Wow. Okay. That's Tinder. Right. <laughs> no, that's not Tinder. See, I all. thought Tinder was some extravagant thing where you have to write some cool profile yeah. and you have to no, send there is all that. Like there catchy re- pickup lines. There is all that, man. Um, I'm I'm not particularly good at the pickup line stuff. It's just a it's just a, a numbers game. It mm. seems. I'm I'm much better at uh. Uh, maybe just talking to girls in real life. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay. yeah, Tinder's a tricky one, actually. Yeah. So it's a lot easier to pick up girls by actually living and going yeah, out. Yeah, living and being human and talking to them. It's much better. And dropping your standards and going for the fat, fat early. Fat early. Hmm, cool. Great advice. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to add to that one, Ash? <laughs> no, not really. I've been enjoying it. Do you want to do an album of the week? Is that crazy? Josh, album of the week. What album have you been listening to? most this week it doesn't have to it can be shit it can be good whatever yeah okay um completely like not metal at all um it's been uh explosions in the sky take care take care take care 
which mm. is about as far from metal as it can get. What is it? Um, like post rock ambient kind of stuff. Um, really good sort of chilled out shit. Like I was just a crazy week at work, and I needed things to just calm me down rather than pump me up. And it was that. Wow, well, take care. Wait, what about you, Cabba? Blind Guardian Beyond the Red Mirror. <laughs> is that the new one? It is. Yeah, it just came out last week. I've only listened to it kind of a couple of times, but sounds like a winner so far. Pretty excited to keep listening to it more. What about you, Ash? Marilyn Manson, Antichrist Superstar. No fucking oh, way. Fuck Serious. Yeah. After Josh was just talking about what Marilyn a Manson. good album. Um, I was listening to it for like production tips. Weirdly enough. Okay. Right. What about any other albums? Fourteen-year-old Ash was creaming. Just Antichrist <laughs> Superstar or the whole Marilyn Manson back catalogue. Uh, Antichrist Superstar and Mechanical Animals. The the only Marilyn Manson albums. Okay. Classic. Unless you like. Yep. Really. Portrait of American Hard- Family. Oh, well, I was so just going to say, if you're hardcore Ash from 14 oh, yeah. years old, you'd say Portrait for yeah. sure. <laughs> He's in um, Australia at the moment doing the Soundwave Festival. I've only heard the shittest things about how bad they've been. Anyone else? Really? Or just me? I haven't heard anything. Last time he was here, people were throwing bottles and shit at him. Yeah. That happened at Big Day Out in 2001 or something, didn't it? I think that shit is still going on when he comes here. Right. I've never actually seen him live at all. Neither have I. Yeah. I saw him at the Big Day Out where he got stuff chucked at him. And um, through the eyes and ears of, I think I was 15 or 16, that was super cool. (laughs) Um, But um, but yeah, then everyone started chucking shit at him and he stormed off. But it was good up until then. Interesting. Um, Piss, yeah. Yeah, sweet. And do we ever do other housekeeping i don't know i can't how do we run this podcast we do if things are happening i guess um at the moment we've got that show coming up 27th of march amplifier bar perth claim the throne fear silent night and septillion killer lineup a lot of new merch that you will struggle to get online afterwards so come along um but apart from that we're just gonna be writing and recording a new album this year may or may not have a couple of small little perth shows uh, here and there um but probably no touring until later in the year so if you're in another city, it'll probably yeah not be for a while, um, but we are knuckling down and uh, doing that shit. All right, well, let's wrap it up. Thanks for being here with us again, Josh. It's been fucking fun and uh, lots of uh, very interesting thoughts and lessons that people can take away, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Have you had a good time? Yeah, it's been really cool, Cabo. Thanks for having me, man. It's been awesome. Anytime. What's uh, the best way for people to get in touch with you? If they got any crazy questions, are you good on Facebook or how yeah. do they talk to you? Yeah, they could totally um, hit me up on Facebook, man. Um, or if you happen to see me out and about, then come and have a chat as long as you give me a durry and a beer and we can <laughs> hang out. But um, yeah, Facebook, Josh Wesley. Durry Pirates, good one. And um, what about all your bands at the moment? Do you want to plug the fuck out of them? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So um, my bands at the moment, I guess, uh, Entry Hours Eradicated. Um, you can find us on Facebook. We're uh, in the middle of uh, doing our next album at the moment, which should have been out by now, but hopefully in the next few months. So, um, yeah, so check that out. Uh, and I guess Laser Brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was waiting the, for that one. The band that never really was or is, but, um, yeah, just me and some buddies did some dumb little thrash tracks, but uh, check that out. It's um, It's fun. You might like it. Uh, that's about it killer dude what about if we were to play one song from anywhere in your catalogue of bands that you give us permission to play what would it be right I, it would be laser brain and really it would yeah just because it's, it's really fun um probably two fists to the wrist two fists to the wrist bright laser brain you have been listening to josh wasley on the claim the throne at blogcast Check us out, www.claimthethrone.net. Record yourself a message, hover over the right-hand side of the screen. We'll play it on the show and talk about anything you want us to. Check out Claim the Throne on Facebook, facebook.com slash claimthethrone, Twitter, CTT underscore AU, Instagram, Claim the Throne and Reverb Nation, fucking anything, you name it. 
and uh, hit Josh up on Facebook if you're a hot chick and tell him you want to bang him and he will say yes because he has no standards. I'll do it. Over and out. Roger that. Yeah.